As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Ask specific questions and not philosophical questions. Mm -hmm. Philosophical question for me, and I hear it all the time, is this a good time to invest? That's for me a philosophical discussion. I don't know. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're gonna help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're gonna help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're gonna be allowed to focus on the things that are most important like business growth and operations not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then the last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about their pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E, you're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. 
For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of the fluffy stuff. With us today, Danny Bator. How you doing, Danny? I'm doing good, Joe. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm glad to hear that, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. So I'm looking to be educated and looking forward to learning more. Danny is a CEO of Simply Do It Real Estate Investments, a real estate investment boutique. He's got 16 years of real estate investing experience. He's invested in and guided others in the purchase of over 5,000 rentals. He is based in Irvine, California. So with that being said, Danny, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, I've been personally investing for 18 years or so. I started doing it more professionally about 16 years ago, originally from Tel Aviv, Israel, started investing in the U.S. while being a high-tech employee living in Tel Aviv. And I moved to the States in 2004, continued investing more for myself and working with others, helping them execute exactly the same concept of buying rental properties in different U.S. metros, primarily on nice middle-class single-family homes in places like Kansas City, Nashville, Phoenix, Tampa, Orlando, Dallas, Houston, and quite a few more. I'm just doing some quick math. 5,000 plus rentals in 16 years. That's 312.5 rentals a year. That's almost a house a day. So can you tell us where does that volume come from? First of all, I'd like to be corrected. I'm somewhere between 45 to 5,000. So to be more corrected about it, so maybe 300 a year or so. A lot of it comes from during the 2004, 5, 6, 7, 8, I would say up until that. That was really hectic years of a lot of purchases. And right now, probably doing less than 300 a year. And it's coming from investors that I put up a concept. I put up turnkey operation. A lot of people in this niche. People wake up one morning. Usually I see them when they're somewhere between 30 to 45, maybe a first kid or maybe a few kids working. They wake up one morning. A lot of them live in the expensive metros of the West Coast. Not all of them, but other metros around the country. And they're like, wait, what's going on here? I live in Silicon Valley. I work for one of the more known names in the industry, less known names in the industry. I make good money. Maybe between me and my wife, we're making four, five, maybe $600,000 a year for Silicon Valley. It sounds a lot, a big salary, but it's not going to be super wealthy with that kind of salary in Silicon Valley with the cost of living. And they're saying, what do I have? I have my own home, maybe some stocks and retirement accounts, and I want to do more. I want to make sure I have something left for myself, left for my kids, some sort of more accelerated retirement plan, real estate. Aha, uh-huh. they're having a aha moment. They heard from a friend. They talked about it. Everybody talks real estate pretty much all the time. I say everybody, but I sit in the coffee shop when we were doing that. I walk on the street and somewhere like going in with my son. I always pick up on those conversations where people talk about some aspect of real estate almost every time I'm out. So it's kind of bugging or something that a lot of people talk about. And then they wake up and say, they kind of have an aha moment. I live in Silicon Valley, real estate around me. Is $2 million is a reasonable piece of real estate. Rents for five, dollars $6,000. That's crappy numbers. Both the down payment that we need, the cash flow, what cash flow, horrible cash flow. Or the next question is, okay, I've heard about people doing it remotely in other parts of the country where the numbers are more attractive. How am I going to go about executing this? Where should I go? 
Who can I trust? I have tons of questions. I have done real estate. I've never done real estate. So we come in and we try to close that gap of knowledge by helping them address all those questions and concerns, all of them that they have. Sometimes they don't even know the questions and concerns that they have. They will just come up a little bit later. And we provide them the mechanism or the infrastructure to invest in such type of properties in different parts of the country. So we don't just close the knowledge gap and understanding gap. We also help with the execution. Like here's a team that we've set up in Kansas City, in St. Louis, Missouri, Nashville, vetted teams. We train them carefully. We vet them carefully. They are good with finding properties. They know what we're looking for. They have clear criteria. We have clear criteria, which market around the country qualifies, which areas within a metro qualifies, how to analyze, how to evaluate, all of those, every aspect of the transaction in order to provide them with, here's a property you can safely invest in. And you know what? I have to tell you, Joe, that I didn't mention it in the introduction. I was here doing real estate on a large scale in the previous crash of 2008. I was before, during, and after. And I gained a lot of knowledge and experience in that crash. And I always felt I came into the 2008 crash somewhat experienced and I came out super experienced or <laughs> more than I was wishing for. Let's just put mm-hmm. it this way. What'd you learn specifically? What are a couple takeaways? First of all, the biggest two takeaways that I have were always have cash flow, even if a small one, 150, 200, $250 a month, cash flow is the buffer. So before I was investing with a potential appreciation and I didn't care that there was a negative cash flow because everything was appreciating like crazy. So who cares about $3,000, $4,000 a year in negative cash flow before taxes when the house is appreciating $15,000 a year? It seems like nickel and dime, wrong. When everything collapses and you need to, they used to call it fill the alligator with money that's coming into my life from my job, for my work, was covering those negative cash flows every month. And all of a sudden when the crash came, my income suffered. So those houses that I was feeding, I was having a hard time continuing feeding them, meaning contributing from my own pocket into those houses on a monthly basis. It's easy when you have one house and it's $200 a month, no, no big deal. If you have 20, 30 of those houses, each one is three, four, maybe $500 a month, so even $200 really adds up. So number one, on my end, I always like to invest with some sort of a buffer cash flow. I'm not investing for the cash flow. I'm investing for the long term, but I want to have that buffer when things happen. So that's number one. Number two, the level of analysis and evaluation I do now, meaning now in the past 10 plus years after the crash, it's a much higher level of detailing from all aspects than before. I would tell you that before the crash, the numbers seems okay. The location seems okay. It was almost like, ah, it looks okay. And today... I have developed for the past eight years an Excel that I use and everybody in my system use, all the investors, all the realtors. It's very comprehensive Excel, how to analyze, easy to use, but comprehensive in the performance, how to financially analyze a property. And that's something that we dive into very carefully. And the one thing I realized since the COVID started is for the past 10 plus years, since the crash of 2008, I came out of that crash deciding that I need to rebuild my business all over from scratch. Everything has to be questioned. So I really build everything from scratch, including the analysis and systems and processes, everything. One of the major conceptual components I've used 
or foundation of what I do is I've been planning for the next crash since 2008 or nine. I've been getting ready for it. So that means all the decisions about areas, locations, houses, numbers, so many decisions on so many hundreds, if not thousands of houses in those years were based on the idea that the next crash is coming. I feel like always when I say it, it's like the next earthquake is coming. The next crash is coming when I don't know. So I call it the investment formula. Main fundamental is resilient, resilient metro, resilient houses, resilient areas, etc. And that minimizes the noise and the risk of the investment. And I've been waiting for a time like this to come for more than 10 years. And when it hit, I'm talking about March, April, May, when that happened, I start calling all the property managers that I work with one by one, say, what's going on? Tell me what's going on. What are you seeing? And I started calling mid-April. Mid-April is the time all the April rents are coming in and the issues will reveal themselves by mid-April because sometimes those guys need a few more days to finalize all the rents. And one by one, since mid-April, listen, everything is good. We have one problem here, one problem there. We're dealing with it. We'll probably solve it. Okay, but May is going to be catastrophic. Be ready for May. No problem. I'm getting ready for May. Mid-May 2020, I called all the property managers. Tell me what's going on, right? I want to talk to the head of the company. I want to tell me the details one by one. Listen, one more house, two more houses. Yes, we have some issues. We're dealing with it. But honestly, we're really surprised. It's not much more catastrophic. But wait, June, mid-June, same thing, right? So month after month, I stopped after July Yes, in my world of real estate, with my clients, with all the number of properties that we have, I've been planning on resilience for many years. And when the tough time arrived, my decision of resilience showed its strength. Am I lucky? Maybe. But there's always a lot of decisions starting 10 plus years ago, planning for this day, the doomsday, so to speak. So I wasn't thinking as a worst case scenario all the time, but I was always, okay, how is this metro going to survive the next downturn? And that was always my question, always in the back of my mind. We're now in December of 2020. We are what? Eight, nine months into this situation. Still, do we have properties that are suffering from the COVID situation? Absolutely. The number is so small, it's almost zero relatively to the amount of properties in our system. It's not zero. It's not fun to the one person who has One or two properties in that situation is not fun at all. And by the way, I'm one of those people, but it's all being managed. I really have maybe two or three properties that really suffered with longer periods, two or three months of a tenant staying in without being able to evict. But even those eventually got addressed and taken care of. I have to admit that from my perspective, planning for this horrific day to come for 10 years, when I have a formula that I follow and this day is coming, and it's showing that it's working. And I don't know if it's going to will hold its ground for a long time. It all depends what the economy will do. But I'm speaking to friends and colleagues and peers and people in the industry that I know. And some of them are doing different type of real estate than I do. And I ask them, how are you doing with collections? And some of them at the beginning says, we're 70%. We're so happy, collection. And another one says, you know what? This month we're 80% collection. I shut my mouth because we are somewhere between 90 3 to 94% collection, you never have 100%. You were always around 95, 96, and we are 93, 94% collection. 
And I'm like, okay, I guess we're doing much better than the other ones. I'm going to jump in. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I got to go jump ahead. in because we have just a little bit of time left. And this has been helpful to know how you've performed during the pandemic. And the reason why is right. because of the lessons that you learned from the crash, those two lessons that you talked about and how you're analyzing it differently now or have been over the last decade or so. But I have a couple of questions that I want to fit in <laughs> before our time is up. So the first question is your client base is most likely accredited investors based on how you describe them. And that is a client base that is a lot of people's target audience. So something that would be interesting for, I know a lot of the listeners would be, how do you attract your new customers? And that is referrals. I'm sure you get referrals. So let's put that aside for a moment. What are other ways that you attract new customers for your turnkey operation? I will say that most of my clients could qualify as accredited, but they're not necessarily accredited investors, but they are well-to-do in life in terms of their financial standing. They're not necessarily rich or millionaires, but they're well-to-do. And many of them will be able to qualify as accredited. Now, to answer your questions, remember when I told you that I started my business from scratch, mm -hmm. I told myself one thing I'm going to be bad, horrible at. I'm a horrible salesperson. I am not good with sweet talking and upselling and cross-selling. I'm really bad at that. When I came to the States, I saw that when you become an expert, you become a knowledgeable person and you share the information and you put yourself on a stage and share, people will be attracted to you if you are authentic, genuine person. And I started just doing a lot of events, meetups. I had a club. I was doing years back once a month and I went on stage and either I had a guest or I spoke myself or both. And I just said, listen, anybody that comes to one of my evenings as a potential client, even if it's free event or a paid event, which I've done both, they're paying with their time at minimum. So I'm not going to have someone walk out of that room and says, oh my God, what a waste of time. What a sales pitch. That's just not me. So I always put up information and always try to say, as a foreigner to this country, I am not attracted to the classical salespeople that are always sugarcoating and going around the bushes and they're not direct. I said, I'm Israeli. Israeli style is going to be direct. I'm going to be direct. I'm going to be telling as I see it and I'm going to be answering without being all vague about the answers. And I just put that kind of an attitude out there. And very quickly, I realized people look and say, okay, this guy is knowledgeable. He is genuine. He knows to answer. I don't know the answer when that happens too. Mm -hmm. And they start engaging. So that's kind of how everything rolled. And I still follow the same mechanism, except today it's more online, different avenues, less physical in the room in some hotel. But I always make sure when I speak, hopefully here as well, I put the information. I try to be honest about it, try to be authentic about it and give real answers because people want answers. They don't want stories around and around and around and like, what did I learn here? So that's the same attitude today, just different vehicles, now more digital vehicles. And what are some digital vehicles that you found to be effective in attracting investors? I used to do, now I kind of slow down a little bit, a weekly Facebook live session. I haven't done it for two months for various reasons. So that's something I ran with for the past two years, every month. Sorry, every week on Friday. What time on Friday? I used to do it at 10 a.m. every Friday. 10 a.m. Uh, ca California time? Okay. Exactly, California time. And I actually told myself this week that I need to resume it. I have a podcast in Hebrew. And mm -hmm. the podcast rated maybe number one, when you search in Hebrew for kind of investment, it, it shows up first. 
So that, that brings a lot of traffic in. Mm-hmm. And I do have a database that I keep growing and I try to do YouTube videos to just to put the message out there. Every time I do a Facebook live session, I record it and immediately I, I syndicate it myself to all my other channels. So it's the same session being distributed in multiple channels. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the past two years, primarily, probably 80% is referrals. Some yeah. of those tactics are really helpful. I appreciate you talking about that. Taking a step back, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Right now, I would say ask specific questions and not philosophical questions. Mm-hmm. Philosophical question for me, and I hear it all the time, is this a good time to invest? That's for me a philosophical discussion. I don't know. Is it a good time to buy this house in Kansas City or that house in New York or San Francisco? That's specific for me. That for me is something I can tackle. The philosophical people like to speak in philosophical concepts and that stays on a philosophical level. What is the answer? Who knows, right? Mm -hmm. So try to be more specific. Mm -hmm. Yes, no, rental, yeah, flip, this house, that market. Try to be more specific and then get a specific answer. If there is a great house, a great opportunity for flip in Kansas City and the numbers are amazing, would you say no, just because it's not a good time to invest? Oh, this one is a good investment opportunity right now. It may not be a good one a year from now. Yeah, thank you for that. I love that advice. Uh, want a better result than ask a better question. Exactly. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. All right. First quick word from our best ever partners. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. All right. Best ever book you've recently read. So I am less of a reading in past years, more podcasts. So podcasts, I like to find the experts in their field and not the general ones. Just got listening to someone, I can't remember her name, on notes. Every session is a case study. So that's kind of very detailed, into the nitty gritty. So podcasts are really beneficial, in my opinion, especially when you work out and it's with you. Best ever way you like to give back to the community. Okay, so I made a promise to myself a few years back and I still hold that promise. When someone calls me and they're down when they're locked, something is happening in a negative way in their life, real estate wise, I reach out and I try to help. I don't know if I will be able to help, but in most cases, just sometimes it can be just a moral support. Sometimes it can be, listen, talk to this person. He will help you talk to this person. So for me, the best way to really giving out is reaching out to someone who's in a bad spot and trying to help that person. I have been in that situation myself and people have reached out. So that's something that I never expected and was just a proof that it was repaid. The karma of the world was repaying me. So that'll be my main thing as, as a good did. And then the other thing is I really try to put up information and knowledge out there for people to on YouTube and whatever. Authentic, real from the trenches, you know, information, knowledge. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing and your company? My alter ego, quote unquote, Online, I call it alter ego, but it's my online presence is simply do it. So if you do Danny and simply do it or simply do it investing, my website is simplydoit.net. Simplydoit.net. You'll be able to find me on YouTube, on Facebook, on websites. So the easiest way to remember, simply do it. 
which is my online presence. Awesome. And that's simplydoit.net as a reminder. Danny, thank you for being on the show and talking to us about your lessons learned from the 2008 crash and how you've applied that to your approach now and how you've communicated that decade-long new approach to those who you work with, as well as talking about how you attract investors for your turnkey operation business. Some of them may be accredited. Some of them may not be accredited, but just how you approach that. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much.